só quero o amor que acalme o meu sofrer um xodó pra mim do, do meu jeito, jeito assim, assim que alegre o meu viver She heard the recording and then she walked in meowing. That is our third co-host, Chess. Mm-hmm. Chess, you doing alright? I think she's doing okay. I think she's doing fantastic. She's doing alright. A-okay. So, guys, welcome to Suspiria True Crime Podcast. I'm, I'm Carol. <laughs> <laughs> and... Chess not even in the room anymore, so ignore yeah, her. Left. Chess yeah, has left this this <laughs> chat room. Um, welcome to another week of Suspiria, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you all surviving coronavirus? Coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to try to like. No, I'm not even trying to make it. Yeah. No. <laughs> how are you surviving? We are happy to be able to entertain you in during mm-hmm. these trying times and offer you an egg during these trying times <laughs> um yeah have you stocked up on food and toilet paper i kind of have not too much though not not like you know doomsday prepping i only got extra water it's a to little be bit honest yeah it's a little extra. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like toilet paper, I can just wash my butthole, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I, I so like I got toilet paper, but that was fine because I went early. See, mm-hmm. proactive, <laughs> yeah. not reactive. Um, mm-hmm. so today we are going to discuss. The life and crimes of Juan Fernando Hermosa Suarez, a.k.a. Niño del Terror, who who was the youngest serial killer in the history of Ecuador. Oh my god, not a Brazilian crime today. Miracles do happen. What? (laughs) Yeah. And I was about to say that this is the first crime from ecuador that we do but every time i say that i didn't mm-hmm. go back into our catalog and i realized that we've already done something so i'm not gonna i think we've done ecuador before yeah i'm not gonna go like bragging about this being our <laughs> first ecuador because like i always prove myself we're wrong, always wrong so. about it yeah so in a very short amount of time he managed to inflict pain and suffering in a large number of people uh, so the sources of, of the sources for today's episode are El Telegrafo, El Universo, El Comercio, El Diario Ecuador, Extra, Ecuador TV, Wikipedia, duh. Uh, also a TV show called De La Vida Real, which, oh my God, Carol, this mm. might be a competitor for Linea Giretta. Oh. Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, Unsolved Mysteries type of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. but from Ecuador um, mm-hmm. it looks like it was either filmed in the 90s or early 2000s so the video quality the is not the best uh, but yeah well that's like a... the sweet spot though 
Yeah. For like, true crime, the entire I think catalog of like a shit ton of episodes of this show on YouTube. So awesome. if you want to watch it. I definitely want to watch it. I definitely will yeah. watch it. Yeah. Yeah. But like you have to keep in mind that as we are Latinos, this is a very dramatic retelling of the crime so there's a there's some scenes that you're like am i watching a telenovela <laughs> but i i thought it was pretty good i dig it i thought it was yeah. pretty good uh there's also a tv show called dia dia uh diario hoy la hora and fiscalia general del estado which is the attorney general's office so mm, fancy lots of sources lots yeah. of sources but still limited content because let me tell you a lot of these places just restate whatever was said in the other source mm-hmm. material so this was yeah this was difficult but you know we do it all for you so mm-hmm. you're welcome yes <laughs> so juan was born on february 28th 1976 just a few days after myself which mm-hmm. is um in Canton, what what, Shusufindi, which is a province in Sucumbios in Ecuador, his biological mother was very very poor, so he was adopted by Rafael Hermoso and Zoila Zoila Mada Suarez Mija, who he lived with in the northern region of Quito. We did, we did a, a case because I, I remember it was in Quito, like I remember it was yeah. there. The case we did in Ecuador. But don't ask me which one it was. Yeah, there's a lot of cases. So now, interestingly enough, Wikipedia lists his father's name as Olivio Hermosa Fonseca, but in TV reports, he's clearly named Rafael. So, go figure, right, who's telling the truth here? Only God knows. It's Mr. Hermosa. That's his dad. His dad had to travel very often to Sucumbios because he owned some property there. So he was left in a, so he was left in the care of his mother, who was either hard of hearing or, or deaf. She was described as both in different reports. And she also suffered from severe arthritis. His family wasn't dirt poor, but they were described as coming from a humble background. So it was probably the least poor of the poor. At age seven, he found out that he was adopted. Some reports state that his sister told him the truth. In an interview, his father stated that he found Juan crying around the same time. And when he asked why he was crying, Juan responded that it was because he knew his dad wasn't his real dad. And... It said that from then onwards, his personality shifted entirely. At age 12, he, alleg- he allegedly ran away from home, but his motive behind that isn't all clear. To get by while on the streets, he started stealing equipment from cars and breaking into homes to steal whatever he could from those two. At a very, very young age, he's mm-hmm. starting his criminal activity. And I think it's funny that they mentioned that him finding out that he was adopted had such an impact on him i personally um have an experience with that someone in my family who Mm -hmm. was adopted um and found out about it when they were uh, like already adults um and they lost their shit (laughs) so 
you can mm-hmm. only imagine what that does to a little kid like he's in his yeah. developing stages which I think it doesn't... depends on the situation but you know like on that case yeah but this doesn't this doesn't like make whatever he did right it's just like mm-hmm. The psychological impact. When Juan turned 15, he started going out more often with his friends. He liked going to arcades in the La Marin sector of downtown Quito. He also liked going to bars and dance clubs in the area of town known as Puente del Guambra, near the Universidad Central. It is also at around this age that he and 10 of his friends got together and formed a gang known as the Pandilla del Terror which translates to terror gang. So can you imagine, like... Oh, it sounds amazing. <laughs> 11, 15-year-olds 11, have a little gang. I'm annoyed love, just reading this. I love this, that. Like, this. I'm 11. Let's join a gang. Like, let's not even join a gang. Let's make a gang room. Like, what? Yeah. Juan was described by Manny as an average-looking boy who was very skinny and looked sickly, and he was also described as someone who could stare deep into your soul due to his large eyes. Personally speaking, we wouldn't necessarily say that he looked specifically menacing. He looked like any Latino teen of the 90s with his little Adidas windbreaker who thought he was a punk. Mm. Except he was like a punk because he ended up becoming a serial killer. But like, you know, those teenagers who think they're shit. That, that's what he looks like. Aquele meme do Jorge. Jorge quer ser hardcore. Yes. Jorge <laughs> ser hardcore. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, he didn't <laughs> look like scary or anything like that. The majority of Juan's victims were cab drivers. Specifically cab drivers who drove brand new Chevy San Remos. I don't know why he was so into <laughs> <Is> it- <laughs> this specific model. Like, I looked up the car I try to put myself in the shoes of someone living in Latin America in the early 90s and seeing that car, but it still didn't make sense to me. But was he into the car or did he hate the car? I don't know. (laughs) All I know is like most of the cab drivers he killed drove that car. So fascinating. He also targeted several members of the LGBTQ community, which is fucking sad. And mm-hmm. uh, it's what's interesting is we, we like spoiler alert. We're never really going to find out why he killed people. But the way all types of media described his victims who are part of the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. it's always like they're the lesser Dan. And I was like, oh great homophobia in latin america this is so (laughs) big news yeah so although we know that he started stealing as early as the age 12 there is a gap between then and the first detail account of him murdering someone so we don't really know whether his first victim was that person or not unfortunately that is Unfortunately, there also isn't a list with the names of all the victims, so we'll try to mention the victim whose names we do know throughout the episode. On November 22, 1991, Juan and four of his friends left a dance club near Puente del Guambra. They walked towards Avenida Avenida de Agosto 10, not 10, 10 is Portuguese. <laughs> and upon arriving there, they hailed a cab. Sometime throughout the trip, he took out a gun and shot the driver in the head, just like that. 
He would later say that he got the gun from a police officer. And he also allegedly killed all of his victims with the Zarsane gun. One of his friends jumped in the driver's seat and they headed towards the southeast. And then they dumped the body in the guard guardrail in Lustio's Valley where the police found the body the next morning. So wait, driving with a dead body in the car, the body was the taxi driver. He was in the driver's seat. The, did the friend sit on the dead person's lap to drive the car? No, they moved the body. Yeah, but that's kind of fucking gruesome, right? Like, how do you move a dead body in a car? Because, like, it's hard to move a live body in a car. To, like, remove an adult person from sitting, right? I don't know, man. And, like, I, I'm just <sighs> picturing, like, these four, five, 15-year-olds doing this. Like, what the fuck is wrong oh, so with the these car was, kids? like, full. There was four people in the back and one in the front. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but... Do you guys see, like, how this is kind of weird? I think they must have put the body in the trunk. Uh, okay. Because I'm just picturing, like, they're driving the car in the middle of a bound, and they have <laughs> to, like, kind of scramble to fix, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'm so sorry. I don't so know, sorry. that's just my conspiracy theory. Because, <laughs> uh, here's the thing, in the, um dramatized versions of the crimes they like mm. they allude to a lot of things but they don't show okay. a lot of details so a week after this murder juan went to a barber shop which was located in the southern region of town the barber shop was run by charlie who was a trans woman he typically went there to get his hair done but on that specific day he showed up with a few members of his gang with whom he had been drinking so you can imagine this is not going to be a recipe for a happy ending, mm -hmm. right? Later on, they would go over Charlie's place where they continued drinking and talking. And then all of a sudden, an argument ensued once they were there. Um, the details of the argument, we don't really know. But what we do know is that once Charlie tried to get help, Juan shot her five times. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. The string of murders would continue on. They happened more frequently during the weekends, perhaps because the perpetrators were teens who, despite <laughs> thinking they were badasses, they still had to go to school. That's just us speculating, though. Yeah. The LGBTQ community, along with cab drivers in the nor northern region of Quito, started panicking because they see, like, every weekend someone's dying. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that, like... All of his crimes happened within an extremely short period of time. So people must have been That's very scary. Yeah. for real. Although there was a pattern of the victims' backgrounds, like they were either cab drivers or members of the LGBTQ community, there wasn't like a lot more to it. So the motives mm. for the crimes were still unclear to police. Uh, in one of the drama dramatizations of the story, a cab driver made a pass at Juan, but that alone wouldn't be a good reason to kill the man. Like, but then again, do psychopaths even need a feasible reason to kill? Exactly. And that sounds like a little bit of a stretch, you know, like to assume that that a guy that is now dead would, you know, just make a pass at Juan. Like, you know, 
what evidence mm-hmm. is there for it, really. So Major Fausto Teran ordered the police to organize a task force to investigate the murders. The senseless killings would go on until January 9th, 1992. Sometime before that, police arrested a group of teenage offenders who were trying to rob a number of different places downtown. While interrogating the said group, police were finally given a lead onto the murder investigation. They they finally knew who was behind it all. The task force set up an operation that started at 3 a.m. Since they knew Juan's location, they gathered together outside of the Hermosa house. Then they entered the room through the skylight and while observing it, came to the conclusion that it was Juan's room. However, Juan was sleeping in his mother's bed that specific night. Poor baby serial killer. The commotion woke him up, and once he became aware of the policeman there, he allegedly got his gun and started shooting. So this is a guy that sleeps with a gun and with his mommy? Yeah. This is the 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 quote you're going to put on the episode, on the Instagram. <laughs> this is the guy that sleeps with, with, with a gun and with his mommy. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, but allegedly got his gun out that's very important oh yeah that's important okay Mm. yeah but Mm. like i just wanted to mention the first confirmed victim died on november 22nd that's very short and then the killing stopped Uh. on january 9th Hmm. so yeah as you would expect the police started shooting back, and so a gunfight began between the two parties. Juan allegedly, again, threw a grenade on nah, the street I that. where the remaining police officers awaited further instructions. The explosion took down a wall that fell on top of two cops, and they died. Caught in the crossfire, Amada was shot between 19 and 20 times, and she passed away on the scene. Come on. The shootout lasted oh around 50 minutes and Carol mm. and my dear Carol, at the end of it all, Juan was successfully captured without a scratch on him. Now, try to remember the shootout mm-hmm. situation because we're going to bring it up again in a few minutes. Later on that same morning, 10 officers transported Juan to the Garcia Penal prison where they obtained confirmation that he was a minor. Um, the first thing that came out of his mouth to the officers was, I want to make it clear that my name is Juan Fernando Hermosa Suarez and on February 28th, I will be 16 years old. He would then become known as the terror boy, aka Nino del Terror. Carol's <laughs> face, she's like, she doesn't sound like she believes in any of this i believe it but it's it's i know it's i mean i'm gonna say the thing i always say i don't know if there's just because it's like several layers of information that are missing from this but it's tough to kind of grasp you know and Mm -hmm. hmm. yeah this could be that this is not that deep but anyways in his initial testimonies to police, Juan would go and say that he murdered people to steal from them. Later on, a new version would s- later on a new version would surface in which he was a contracted hitman ordered by a retired general to enact vengeance against cab drivers, since he's 
since the supposed general's wife and daughter had been raped by a cab driver. There's no mm. evidence of that being even remotely true. Why would he hire a 15-year-old hitman? Exactly. To take <laughs> general, revenge on I'm like sure a you whole know better people. <laughs> yeah, it's like he, he's taking revenge on a whole profession because of like it's, just cuz yeah. I mean all right. <laughs> <laughs> Makes no sense. In an interview after his arrest, Juan said that he killed his victims because they were abusers. He tried to come up with a story, but it just wasn't very convincing, obviously. Mm-mm. Obviously, it wasn't very convincing. And, like, it's funny because uh, during all of his interviews, like, because from all of this and, like, all of the dramatized version of the crimes and stuff, you would think that he was, like, oh, so smug and stuff. But then when he's interviewed by, like, actual reporters, he's always looking down. He's always like, yeah, whatever. Mm. Oh, you know, like, doesn't sound like you're such a badass now. I guess not. Also, during his testimony to police, Juan said that he didn't initially have the intention to kill anyone. He said, oh. I would ask them to be quiet, tell them that I won't hurt them, but they wouldn't obey. Huh. One of them, one of them even threatened me with a twenty-two caliber revolver, and then I had to use my gun. Mm-hmm. And a cab driver tried to hit me with a wheel wrench, and then I had no choice but to kill him. I wonder why he tried to hit you. I wonder <sighs> what you must have been doing. Were you Come praying on. for him? Yeah, no, I believe that they they like try to fight back, but like you hit a gun out already. Come mm-hmm. on. Some reports say that Juan killed a total of eight cab drivers, ten members of the LGBTQ community, and a truck driver and his helper, also the two cops. Other reports state that he killed 11 cab drivers, six members of the LGBTQ community, and one cop. Psychiatric exams confirmed that Juan was a psychopath. According to Miguel Palacios, who was director of the psychiatry was the director of the psychiatric hospital, Lorenzo Ponce. A psychopath is born evil. He doesn't become evil. He's a person who has a mind capable of coming up with the most elaborate and unexpected plans to commit Mm. a crime. He doesn't have the capability of learning from his mistakes and has the personality of a natural-born leader. This definitely rings true to Juan since he seems to dominate the other members of his gang. Mm -hmm. This obviously isn't to say that they had no free will or to shift the blame for, from what they did from them. Uh, it just helps us understand why a group of teens would follow him around regardless of what he did. Because, like, if he must have been very persuasive or, like, very scary. Like, in one of the... In the show that I told you to watch, he, like, kills a cab driver and then oh because there were girls in his gang too it wasn't just boys there were two girls and then he let like, girls on your gang he, exactly he <laughs> followed our advice yeah <laughs> he, he kills this dude and then like the girls are like what the fuck are you doing and he's like oh you're gonna say something i'm gonna kill your parents so <laughs> that sucks. yeah juan received the maximum sentence available to a minor at the time which Dear listeners, was four years. Oh, he killed okay. twenty-two people, and he got four years. Twenty-two people. Oh my god! 
Four yeah. years. Four years. Yeah. What are you doing, was- Ecuador? Come on. We thought Brazil was bad, but <laughs> apparently not. I don't know if the laws in Ecuador change. My cousin mm-hmm. actually used to be married to a girl from Ecuador who studied law there, but they got divorced, so I can't even so ask you can't her anymore. Damn it, stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he was sent to the Virgilio Guerrero Rehab Center for Minors, and he quickly became a leader within the institution. So... Of course, right? He thrives in any environment, this guy. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Like, he could have been using his leadership skills to be a businessman or to do something useful. Yeah. I mean, he's a psychopath, after all. Yeah. Within 16 months, he had people following him around and doing whatever the fuck he wanted them to. And he managed to convince his then-girlfriend, a girl named Yadira, to smuggle a gun into the center during a visit. Along with 10 other teenagers, Juan made a break out of the center on June 17th, 1993. Oh my god. Police officer Neptali Sailema tried to stop them, but he was shot five times and he died. And actually, you know what's sad? Uh, Juan was never tried for the murder of this police officer because yeah. the the way the legal system was at the time again i don't know if it changed because i don't i'm not an expert mm-hmm. on uh the laws of ecuador but the way that it was at the time you couldn't prosecute a person for the same type of crime so like if you committed a murder oh my and God. you were convicted of a murder and then you ran away and murdered Z- someone else you couldn't be prosecuted for the second murder because you already were sentenced for a murder I desperately, yeah. desperately want our Ecuadorian listeners to tell me that this changed. Yeah. And if not, what are you doing to change this? This is bizarre. Yeah. This is bizarre. Um, he then fled to Colombia where he caught tonsillitis. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was recaptured. I never laughed at someone who caught tonsillitis before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So... Juan would serve out. Juan would serve out his entire sentence and was freed in 1996. Throughout his time in, throughout his time in the center, in spite of the name of the institution, he wasn't subjected to any rehabilitation programs. Per police orders, he was kept isolated from other teens, and he was closely watched by agents at all times. Of course, he only ever really came into contact with his friend and accomplice, Luis Kishpi, with his dad, and also a priest. Juan moved in with his father, who believed that Juan was innocent and still swears by it to this day. And they now live in Nueva Loja in the Sucumbus pro- province. Life went on relatively normal for a little while. He allegedly regularly visit, visited dance clubs and brothels. People obviously knew who Juan was and what he had done. And his case was huge. And there were no- numerous, numerous, many, many, many newspaper articles and television reporting on it. This would prove to be a big problem for him. On Juan's 20th birthday, February 20th, that is February 28th, 1996, his body was found by a group of farm workers. Police officers arriving to the scene found the body of a young man wearing a black shirt, burgundy pants, black socks, and white and blue Reeboks. His face was unrecognizable he he had been shot in the face once but it was very sunken in and also marked 
with several machete cuts. The body also displayed signs of torture. There were cuts in the back, his hands were tied back with steel wire, and there were also bullet holes coming from a high caliber gun. Since he had this since he had his wallet on him, police were able to successfully ID him as Juan. His father would later on have to come by and officially recognize the body as well. Juan had only been out of prison for around a month. They got to him real quick because, like, you know what? I can't blame them because four years in prison yeah. for 22 people? You kidding me? Mm-hmm. So, dear listeners, is that it? Does the story end here? Of course not. Mm-mm. Of course not. It it never ends that quickly, does it? Remember how we told you to make note of the shootout? Well, 23 <laughs> years after Juan's arrest in September of 2015, the case was taken to the courtroom yet again. The Truth Commission now investigated the circumstances which led to the death of Amada Suarez, Juan's adoptive mother. According to investigators, Amada had been the victim of what it's called an extrajudicial killing. What does that mean? It means that she was killed by governmental authorities without the sanction of any judicial proceeding or legal process. This was the seventh case brought up based on the investigations of the Directory of the Truth and Human Rights Commission created by the Office of the President in 2007. The report emphasized the fact that Juan was arrested without a scratch. Meanwhile, his mother was shot at not once, not twice, but 19 to 20 times. The shots, yeah, the shots also came from four different directions. How does that even make sense? It doesn't. Mm -mm. Attorney General Galo Chiriboga emphasized in an interview that due to her disabilities, Amada didn't pose a threat to the police. Uh, It is very likely that she didn't even notice that the police was there as quickly as Juan did because she was hard of hearing or deaf. Mm -hmm. Once police broke into the house, he says, Juan most likely tried to bounce, leaving his mom behind. Not only did they butcher this poor lady, but it's also very convenient that they mishandled the crime scene afterwards. Instead of trying to secure any evidence, they packed up her body and took her to the morgue, picked up all the gunshot casings, and walked all over the place, destroying, like, any evidence. There's also a theory that the grenade that went off didn't actually belong to Juan. It belonged to the police. I told you so, guys. I told you I didn't believe it. General Juan Wallace denied this. He said that the police officers at the scene didn't walk around with grenades, Gal also said that Amada took no part in any criminal activity perpetrated by her son or otherwise. This makes a murder this makes her murder a serious violation of human rights. The last updates we could find on the case are from October of 2016. Per the Attorney General's office website, they're still investigating people implicated at in Amada's murder. Yeah. So we're probably gonna hear more. about this story sometime like it's been almost four years since the last update so hopefully sometime soon but Mm -hmm. we can only hope yeah but i mean it wouldn't surprise me nothing ever came out of this to be honest 
Yeah. So that was Juan Hermosos. Hermosa, not Hermosa. He was not Hermoso. His last name was Hermosa, but he was not Hermoso. That was him, mm-hmm. um, which, like, I randomly found him. I don't even know. I think I was reading, like, a list of, like, crazy criminals, and I found his name. Mm-hmm. I think I had heard of him in the past. Like, I don't know, because we try not to do, like, that many serial killers in, mm-hmm. like, both of our podcasts, but... You know, it's always kind of, like, really interesting stories. And this is, I don't know, like, I don't like this story. Like, I think I had heard about it in the past. But yeah. probably wrote it down somewhere. Yeah. So, you guys are listening to this on Wednesday. Monday was mm-hmm. my birthday. So, you better have wished me a happy birthday. Yeah. You better I'll, have bought me a gift. I hope they did. Yeah. Yeah. The gifts are probably getting to your house today as they're listening to this episode. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you best you best believe that. You best believe uh, that. Can't believe that March is almost like over already. I know, right? It's wild. The year is really going by super fast. Allergy season's coming and <laughs> I typically have allergies, but I can't because coronavirus. People are going to think I have the coronavirus. But it's just, like, pollen. You know? Are you all, like, secluded in your houses? Yeah. Are you working from home? What are you doing? Let us know. What? Are, how are you passing your time? <laughs> Dude, yesterday I went to the grocery store. I was, like, sneezing and coughing, like, in the aisles to clear up so I can go and not have to be near people. Yeah. Like, I literally yeah. did that. Yeah, um, I went to the grocery store yesterday. We, we're recording this on the eyes of March, guys. We're recording this on the 15th. So I mm-hmm. went to the grocery store yesterday, and I went to the store in the town next to mine, which is where I used to live and where I went to high school. And I saw my high school Spanish teacher. And I also saw the guy that I probably hated the most, in my class <laughs> in high school and obviously i pretended i didn't know either of them i just kept walking of course yeah um and then i went today because my mom bought like two million things but apparently two million wasn't enough so no, we went again never. today and she spent way too much money on food that she's not going to eat but she said that she's our backup so if our food is like running low we can go over her house and like steal her food i'm like mom you need to stop (laughs) times like this i'm so glad i'm vegetarian this sounds very privileged to say but there's no meat and i'm like i'm it's so nice that i know how to make like recipes that don't really involve meat you know because like we had a lot of produce but huh there's a lot of pork in my grocery store yeah my local grocery store there's no, no, there's grass-fed beef, which people obviously didn't buy because mm. it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and, but a lot of pork. I was like, oh, the, mm-hmm. the entire, my mom was like, oh, ribs. Uh, the entire pork section was, was good. <laughs> Nobody likes pork. <laughs> no, I guess not. Store, yeah, my store, all they had was like chicken feet. 
Which my mom and, like, loves those... making chicken feet. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, but it was like one pack of chicken feet. So they were running out of chicken feet. That's how serious the situation is. And like those like terrible like preseason meats that they already sell like dry uh, rubbed with stuff. You know what I mean? I hate those. Yeah. Oh my god. And, so mm. go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean I'm just saying that like it's not like we didn't buy any meat. Like we bought like corned beef hash and stuff because we're transitioning, but not like you know. So I sometimes. didn't buy any meat. Yeah. For myself, because like I am, y'all. I hate cooking. Mm. I like I dread cooking so i'm like why i have like steaks in my freezer so i'm like why do i want to buy more meat that i know i'm not (laughs) gonna cook Mm -hmm. like that would be foolish of me but i saw this um employee the grocery store employee who was walking around with a cart that had like different sections i think he had like 10 different sections it was like a tall cart Mm. With seasoned chicken thighs, I was so confused. He was walking around with that. I'm like, where is that? Where is that man taking that chicken? <laughs> I'm, I was going? almost like, yeah, I almost stopped him. I was almost like, oh my where, god, where are you taking that chicken? Like, what are you doing with the chicken? I want to know. <laughs> and like, the, it was seasoned too. It wasn't even just like uh-huh. raw chicken. It was seasoned raw chicken. I was like, huh, interesting. I don't know. It always baffles me. Baff- seasoned chicken, like buying seasoned chicken that is already seasoned, it's kind of baffles me. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't trust certain people to season my food. Certain but people who shall remain nameless. <laughs> anyway. Don't be judgmental. You don't know who's seasoning the chicken. I know who was well, you know who had the dragging the cart the around, and oh, okay. it was certain people who were dragging the cart around. So I think I'm all set. Oh my! Kind of miss seasoning yeah. chicken though. What? Hmm? <laughs> I say I kind of miss seasoning chicken. I'm not gonna give my season uh, my recipe for my season for the chicken that I used to make that I used to eat because Steph's gonna like judge me so harshly. So now I just I not. It. No, I'll I'll give it out someday, but not now. Someday, you guys are gonna have to ask for it. Anyways, please ask for it because I want to hear what 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 she's <laughs> talking about. I think this is it. I'm making a bingo. Kara, I'm gonna send you this. Mm. It's mm-hmm. a bingo. How similar are you to Stephanie? I'm making my own bingo. You can make your own. I want to make that. Um, How similar are you to Kara? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna yeah. do that. And I'm gonna add that. Post to my it on Instagram, on Instagram later when when this episode comes out. This is it. Yep, this is it. This is the end. Goodbye. This is the end. Yes, we will see you on the next episode. Yes, we will. Later, haters. I hope you guys have a good end of the world. Goodbye. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of Suspiria, a true crime podcast. If you are a creep and enjoy listening to all of that horrible information, please check out our previous episodes and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram as Suspiria Podcast. Facebook is also Suspiria Podcast. If you want to follow Carol, 
You can follow her at Suspiria Carol, and you can follow me at eu.steph. Note, none of us post anything interesting. We do, actually. If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at SuspiriaPodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao! Yeah.